Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children, where all of our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about vaccines for the under 18 crowd and what are the current recommendations. It can be a little confusing for parents. Joining me is Dr. Hina Talib. She's board certified pediatrician and adolescent medicine specialist, and of course, a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. Dr. Talib, it's a pleasure to have you join us today as a mother who, who's 18-year-old just finished her second dose, and my 21-year-old, obviously, and he's gotten his two as well. Tell us a little bit, as the summer gets into full swing, what are the current recommendations for vaccines for the under-18-year-old crowd? Well, first of all, thank you for having me to discuss this important and exciting and hopeful topic about a pandemic game changer for our adolescents and young adults. And thank you for sharing about your own family as well. That's so wonderful. So where are we now in this in this story? The FDA and the CDC have both authorized the Pfizer vaccine for 12-year-olds, so 12 and up. And um, and that's big news, and that, that sort of uh, opened the floodgates of, of possibility for how young people can move through this pandemic. Um, and before that, 16-year-olds and up were already authorized. So we had already, we have these buckets now of, of different waves of teens and young adults in the process of being vaccinated. So you have your first shot, you have your second shot, and two weeks after your second shot is when we consider you fully vaccinated. So only Pfizer as of now, not Moderna yet. Not Moderna yet, but look out, watch the news. Uh, we feel that they, uh, you know, the data is, is there, it's being collected. And um, just keep an eye on the news. They may, we may have some news within the month about that. So one of the questions I've heard a lot, Dr. Talib, is for children under 18 and they're visiting their pediatricians and getting vaccines, are the vaccine doses the same. So did I get, now I'm four foot 10 and in my fifties, so I'm little, but did I get the same dose as my daughter who is also tiny, but only 18? That's a great question. And I'm petite too. So I hear you. The dose is the same for the 12 year olds and, and up. And that's not unlike uh, other vaccines that we have. And, you know, parents often ask, is it related or do I have to worry about puberty, whether they've started or what stage they are in puberty, and does that somehow impact either how effective the vaccine is or can the vaccine somehow delay or interfere with puberty? And I think they're really thoughtful, common questions that that I'm fielding. And so, you know, I want to be able to reassure parents that the way this vaccine or, or vaccines in general work is by creating an immune response, and then we test the function of that immune response, the antibodies, and it does not, it is not impacted by puberty, nor will it impact puberty. But again, really thoughtful question. So what about side effects and symptoms? Are they going to be the same as we've heard for adults? I know that my daughter had more serious ones than I did. I only got a little swollen lymph node, which is why I scheduled my mammogram for like six weeks past my second test. 
And so it's still a little swollen, like 10 or 15 days out, but just only a little. But she felt sick and her acne broke out a little bit more and she didn't feel well for a day. So can you tell us what parents should watch out for? And Dr. Talib, what parents should watch out for and what would prompt a call to their pediatrician? Okay, so the side effects, when they studied the side effects in these younger ages compared to older ages, there were no significant differences, but there was variability. So some people had more um, moderate side effects and some people had more mild side effects. And these include things like sore arm, fatigue, in some people fever, just, you know, you can feel a little bit crummy from this vaccine. And and um, and so I think knowledge is power. So knowing about the, sac- the side effects going into, um, you know, the timing of when you're going to be getting the vaccine for your kid, the first and second one, can be helpful and should be a conversation that we have with our teens ahead of time so that they feel prepared. And then we can help kind of take care of some of these side effects that we, again, that we know about um, by rest, hydration, uh, and if needed, if there's fever, an antipyretic medication that brings fever down, like Tylenol, can be very helpful as well. And just to remember that they are short-term, that they will improve, and they are, in fact, a sign of your body doing what it's supposed to in terms of that your body making, having the immune response that we hope it to have. So sort of reframing it for our kids and ourselves that, hey, this is what we hoped was going to happen, and it's, un- it's not unexpected. Now, your other question about, well, when should I worry? One of the great things that is part of this vaccine rollout that has gotten, you know, I think more attention than, than in the past is the, the consent process, the process of, and I think that teens really should be included in, the, you know, making sure that they listen to, listen to the consent process, read the forms, sign the forms, and report any side effects that they're having in the reporting mechanisms that we have, but help your teens kind of learn how to do this themselves because it's, it's, so, it's so instructive for them. But things to watch out for, you know, if they're really unable to function, if the fever um, is high and stays high for more than a couple days, you know, they're unable to function, meaning they can't get out of bed, um, they're not, they don't seem to be able to hear you or understand you or communicate with you, but these are not because I would be worried about them being vaccine side effects. It would be more that I'd be worried that something else is happening um, and that we don't want to attribute something else that's serious to a vaccine side effect. So more about not missing other serious things. What a great point you made about consent and that the children should be involved and help to report these things and understand because that's how we learn more. And that's how these things progress is that we learn more. We get all of this more information gathered. And I personally think my daughter's like acne and stuff was just stress. I mean, she was worried about it. And it was definitely can be a little bit unnerving. What do you want to say to parents that are nervous about their kids getting this vaccine? And maybe they haven't been nervous about chickenpox or MMR or even flu vaccine. But for some reason, this one makes them nervous. It was not rushed mRNA has been around a long time. Reassure them. What would you like them to know? I would like to say, you know, I would like to say let's normalize the fact that we, and I'm a parent myself, feel anxious about uh, this vaccine. We we are tired. It's been a long year. This We've had to make decisions every week regarding the health and safety of our children. And so we have decision fatigue and we have information overload. And I think 
I think we need to just take a deep breath and say, it's okay to be anxious. It's okay to have questions. And we, as your pediatricians, are here for you and are welcome your questions and, and aren't going to sit there and think, oh, this person is anti-vax or whatnot, because that's not helpful. And, and the questions you have come from a place of great love and concern for your, your children. And we get that. We really do. First, I, I just want to say it's it's. I think it's a very where we are in this year in this pandemic. It's a very normal response to have, and um, what helps is information from trusted resources. So, who do you trust? You know, I, I would hope that you trust your pediatrician. So call them, ask them, hey, what are you doing for your kids, and see what they say and see what their explanation is, uh, and look for other trusted resources. Of course, there's you know the FDA and the CDC, and they're putting out information left and right. Um, but make sure and know who your sources are, what their biases may be. And I, you know, full disclaimer: my bias as a pediatrician is is what's what's core to me and my passion and my work is teen health. And and so I I am centering teens and children in this conversation when when sometimes it can feel like in our country they don't always get centered. Um, and so we're here to do that. That's really important and great information. Now, this is just opinion, Dr. Talib. When vaccines for kids under 12 become available, do you expect that parents will be able to go to our pediatricians to get it? Do you expect it will be large registration events? I mean, for kids to get vaccines within the medical home, keep it within the electronic records, keep it within, you know, their pediatric offices. Where, what do you expect will happen? What would you like to see happen if we get this vaccine approved for the under 12 crowd? What I am hearing from teens and tweens themselves is they would rather have it at their pediatrician's office. However, what has happened, at least in this first week of this game-changing move in the pandemic, is that most teens and tweens have gotten the vaccine at pharmacies and at big sort of vaccine distribution sites and haven't had any, you know, I haven't had people say and it wasn't that there were any any problems in them having it that way. But when you look to the younger kids, I, I would imagine, I mean, it only makes common sense that they would be more comfortable at their pediatrician's office. And thankfully, the American Academy of Pediatrics has been really on top of this and advocating and supporting pediatricians to be able to administer vaccines and get the vaccines in their offices. So I think by the time that we have a vaccine option that's safe and effective and available for our under 12-year-olds, I'm more hopeful that we will have every kind of the systems in place to be able to administer this vaccine in the comfort of and in the familiarity uh, at your own pediatrician's office. I certainly hope so as well. It's definitely, as you say, a more comfortable place for our kids. So wrap it up, Dr. Talib. What would you like parents listening to know about all of this information that's coming at us? And while you're telling us this summary, kind of include for us, you know, there's a lot of new mask recommendations. And if our teens, I mean, my 21-year-old and 18-year-old understand that I am a mask person and that now even with all four of us vaxxed, when they are out, when they're at stores, I still want them in masks until we know more. And if they go to their friend's house, if it's inside, masks on. If it's out, maybe not. But what would you like parents to know about this onslaught 
of information that we're receiving and what you want them to know about the vaccine availability. I think this is a game changer for teens. I think that we need to, as pediatricians, we're here to support you, answer your questions, get you connected to good information, help have these conversations. You know, the conversations are so important and they're percolating. They're happening from parent to parent. They're happening, the teens are having these conversations with their friends and teachers are having this conversation. School communities are having this conversation. So yeah, it is kind of everywhere and the information overload is in hyperdrive right now. But try to cut through the noise, try to go to your trusted resources, lean into your trusted resources. And when it comes to the mask question, you know, I think that there's been a lot of varying reactions around the country, really, from different pediatricians who are advocating for children. And what we do, our job is to make sure that they're not left behind and that they're not an afterthought. And so, yes, in this in-between zone that we're in right now where we have vaccine that's available for some but not all of our population. Access is an issue in in some areas more than in other areas. And um, so we're in the in-between. And while we're in the in-between, I think, again, the conversations and the decisions can be a little bit tricky and complex. Um, So you have to, you know, we listen to what the CDC has said based on really good science that it is safe to take your mask off if you're vaccinated and you, you know, and they gave a list of here are places where it is safe and here are places where you may still want to, where they still encourage you to wear a mask like transportation and hospitals, et cetera, or for anyone who has immune compromise. So there are caveats to it. But in this in-between zone, I think we also have to look at what our state and our local Department of Health are saying because they have an eye to what the local rate, community rates are. And then we also have to make decisions as a family. And so not every member of a family may be vaccinated. So you may have the youngest sibling or you may have multiple younger siblings who are under 12. And so I think the family unit gets to also make a decision that they feel most safe and comfortable with. And we need to respect that. And we all need to be able to openly have conversations without necessarily having to justify every single thing that we're doing every time we step out of the home. So if we have sort of a family game plan and we all kind of come to the table, teens too, and we agree this is our family game plan. So I just want parents to know that we pediatricians are here for you as a trusted resource. We're open to your questions. And there is now finally a light at the end of this tunnel for teens and hopefully soon children to have a safe and effective option to prevent COVID-19. What great information. I agree with you completely. The light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you so much, Dr. Talib, for joining us today and really sharing your incredible expertise and passion. I can hear that when you speak. So thank you so much. You're listening to Healthy Children. Our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics in conjunction with their consumer website, healthychildren.org. Parents, share this show with your friends and family because there's a lot of information coming at us. And this is the information you can trust just you know, above almost everything else. That's the American Academy of Pediatrics, the gold standard. And we love our pediatricians. I mean, 
they help us raise our children. So they are the ones we look to and trust. So share this show, share the quality information, and you can listen on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcast, everywhere podcasts are played, but we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. So for Healthy Children, the American Academy of Pediatrics and Radio MD, I'm Melanie Cole. Stay well.